I'll tell you, there's a lot of things that you can say about Michael Hawk, but two things that you can't say are one, that he's not tough, and two, that he's not qualified. He is a retired U.S. Army Special Forces officer, an author, a television personality, an expert on survival. He speaks more languages than I knew existed, and these days he's also the uh, military spokesman for the Gold Shield, uh, a group that is uh, very important to me and doing some very important work, and when it seems like the world is just on fire, any corner of the globe that you look to, I can't think of a better person to help break down some of what's happening than Michael Hawk. Mike, thanks so much for joining me on the radio. I'm a big fan of yours and your work. Sir, thank you very much. It's an honor to be here. Let me begin with Ukraine. I know you've been very vocal on Ukraine, very active in trying to help a lot of the people that are suffering in Ukraine. I think a lot of people, uh, not the least of which are the folks in the Kremlin, thought that this war was going to turn out very differently at the outset than it has turned out. Turned out. Even uh, as recently as a few days ago, it seemed like Vladimir Putin wanted this whole thing wrapped up by Victory Day, by May 9th. It turns out that that's not the case. Um, where do you see this going? How do you see this Ukraine war uh, with Russia ending? And what's the best case scenario, not only for the United States, but for the people in Eastern Europe? Oh, man, that's a, a brilliant question. And it's pretty wide open. Um, I think, and you know, if you just step back a second, Putin just basically doesn't trust anyone that's surrounding himself with a bunch of yes men because everybody's too afraid to say no to the guy. So he basically drank his own Kool-Aid. And I think the, be, the big secret here about Ukraine is the Russians simply do not have the will. The general population sees Ukraine as their neighbor and partner. They're like, why are we doing this? We all know that you know Putin is a megalomaniac. He is a murderer, and he set himself a goal. And, and you're right. The, the Russians do not have the will, and the Ukrainians have all the will in the world in spades. And a lot of Americans don't realize, but – the Soviet Union basically forced them into the fold. They, the Russians have constantly been trying to kill the Ukrainians through starvation and through deprivation. So this is merely an extension of something that's been going on for well over 100 years. And now I think what it comes down to in a classic American terms, you know, you've got a truly bad, bad guy, a really good, good guy. And they are like the Wolverines. They are small, but they absolutely have the will to fight. And that has brought spank and pain to Putin, much to my happiness, and I think a lot of Americans. So uh, now to answer your question about what do I think is going to happen, well, in my personal opinion, Putin's already lost, period. I mean, the Iron Curtain can't keep the truth out forever. And the more his people realize that he is lying to them, the more they will get upset. I mean, I've I fought against the Russians. I fought with the Russians, and I have a lot of admiration and respect for the regular common Russian people. I have nothing but utter disdain for Putin. I've studied him his whole career, and he is a very horrible human being. So um, he's already lost, but how is that end going to play out? Well, I do believe that Ukrainians are going to get a lot of support. All the other neighbors are starting to see Russia starting to act like they want to invade them next. So everybody's like, you know what? We're all going to unite, and this isn't going to end well for you. It's just how many people are going to die before they get there, and he acts, actually withdraws. I don't know. Um, I do worry that he will pop a small nuke, blame it on someone else, and say call it a victory or say, hey, it's unsafe for our troops. We're going to look out for him and pull him out. Whatever it will be, it will be a lie on Putin's part, and the Ukrainians will prevail. 
We're talking with Michael Hawk. You could check out his website. You could spend years on there. There's so much content on there. MichaelHawk.com. That's M-Y-K-E-L-H-A-W-K-E.com. You know, I know your characterization of the conflict as Putin having already lost. As you point out, um, I don't know that you can ever totally count a country out when they have nuclear weapons and have expressed a willingness to uh, to use them. With that being said, do you think that the Ukrainian victories over the Russians or the, the setbacks to the Russian army, do you think there's a chance that that might actually make a diplomatic solution more likely here because Putin and the Russians thought this was going to be a cakewalk, but because the Ukrainian opposition is much more strident than they anticipated, maybe this brings them back to the negotiating table, albeit at the butt of a gun? I'm not 100% sure on that, and the reason is very simple. Um, Putin, while he has done very poorly militarily here, he is not going to want to give up any ground that he already got earlier, like in 2014. So I do not see him meeting the demands of the Ukrainians, which is we want all of our original territory back. We want promises that you won't come back in, and we want to be able to join the EU. None of those things are going to set well with Putin, and so I don't know that he's going to do it unless they can bring enough pain long enough that he just decides it's better to negotiate and withdraw. We'll see what happens there. We will indeed. I think it's going to be very difficult. It's difficult for me to see any scenario in which Crimea, for instance, goes back into uh, Ukrainian control. But uh, as you said, uh, this has been nothing if not unpredictable. We'll see. Hey, I know you've been very active in a lot of the efforts for humanitarian aid. And I think however people feel about this conflict all over the globe, you see these people lose their lives. You see these people lose their homes, these millions of folks uh, becoming refugees overnight. Uh, there's a lot of confusion among rank and file Americans who have good hearts about what the best way to help is and how to make sure their help doesn't get into the wrong hands. Do you have a, a, a favorite uh, charity or a favorite cause or a way that you direct folks to to help the folks that are hurt by this conflict? Absolutely. I'm really, really big on on getting medical care and, and health care providers into war zones. I've been doing it for a couple of decades now. I very much find it important that you verify and validate all your sources. So I go to Radio Free Ukraine. They work with the Ministry of Health so you can get all your donations. Or if you want to volunteer, they work with the Minister of Defense for the people that want to volunteer for temporary guard or military service. All of it through Radio Free Ukraine because they're working directly with the Ukrainian government. Um, and what's the best way for folks to to access that? I know you have a link on your website, michaelhawk.com. Is that the simplest way for folks to uh, to get there? Well, just, just Google Radio Free Ukraine, Radio Free Ukraine, and they'll be able to get there. All right. Um, last question about Russia, Ukraine, then I want to pick your brain on one or two other issues. There were reports that the uh, the United States, and it appears it doesn't appear to be much doubt about this, was provi- is providing intelligence reports to the Ukrainian military that's been helping the Ukrainian in some of their key victories. Some folks were critical of media outlets like the New York Times for publishing this story, saying that it could endanger national security. Where do you come down on this? Do you think the American people have a right to know and the American media has a right to publish this? Or should they have not uh, published these leaks, that these reports that are based on leaks? 
Well, I mean, it's it's a double-edged sword, right? Like, so during World War II, when the whole world was at jeopardy, you know, the operational security or OPSEC, we say, you know, was very vital. Um, this is a little bit different because Russia is putting out massive lies, falsehoods, propaganda. And so it's very important that the true news be put out to counter that, that shows the world, or at least those people that are sitting on the fence, unsure, undecided, that Hey, there are lots of people working together, including, you know, like right now, there's Russian people who live near that are helping Ukrainians to get out, just like we had the underground during World War II. So in this particular instance, the Russians know we're helping. They don't know how much. The key in the operational security is that we don't tell them exactly what we know and exactly uh, where we got it or how we got it. We're just letting them have some information that they may find useful. So in saying that we're working together with them like that, I don't think that is a disservice. We want to make a strong message to Russia that Americans in general stand with Ukraine and against Russia. So I think it's okay in this case. In, um, you know, I made a decision recently that I'm not paying for any more streaming services because it seems like all these streaming services have one show that I want to watch. So I got to get Netflix to watch Ozark. I got to get Paramount Plus to watch uh, Picard. I have to get uh, Amazon to watch uh, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. So now I, I have all these streaming services, and I, I said a while ago I'm not buying any more. However, uh, because of uh, a tweet that you put out, you may have actually caused me to want to purchase Fox Nation. You are apparently <laughs> a contributor to this new Kelsey Grammer show, and I love Kelsey Grammer. He's been a guest on this show. I've been following him for years, in which um, you guys go through various aspects of American military history. I didn't know anything about this show until you tweeted about it. Tell me about this. What is this show, and what's your role? Well, I'm I'm simply one of many contributors. They have all kinds of, you know, military generals, historians, experts of, of various classes. Um, so the main thing is it's a very well done, high production value reenactment um, with, of course, you know, Kelsey Grammer and his wonderful voice narrating and telling the story. And then they, you know, have little snippets of interviews with experts that just give a little bit more feel. So I'm just speaking to what it would have been like, you know, in those days for those guys to be fighting sort of like guerrilla warfare type um, battles as well as how it would have been to survive in those environments with with the gear that they had at the time. So I'm just contributing a little bit. The, the real meat and potatoes is with Kelsey and the other experts, I'd say. But it's a very good show and worth watching. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Yeah, I mean, it sounds terrific, and the preview that they put out there uh, looks uh, looks really terrific. Uh, the show is called Kelsey Grammer's Historic Battles for America. It just debuted uh, a week or so ago. It looks terrific. I can't wait to watch it. Do you think, as a whole, Americans need to learn more about American history? Oh, absolutely. I think it's one of those things, you know, now that I'm a old crusty cotton top, you know, you look back and you, you realize how much you don't really know. And then as you get older, you start to appreciate the smaller things and the subtle details. So in my opinion, though, you know, 
the way that technology is changing, the way that media can present things again, um, I think it's very good that every generation revisit their history, look at it through new eyes, through new understandings, so that we can grow better and avoid the mistakes of history, ideally. So I think this is a fantastic show and a great way to not only reach, you know, folks like ourselves who just find it interesting, but hopefully some of the younger generation as well. Uh, you know, it's it's absolutely right. It's funny. One of the women that just had this long run on Jeopardy, she knew all about American history, even though that she was from Canada. And I just wonder how many even very, very bright Americans could have been able to match her knowledge of American history, even though they were born here. And I suspect very few. Uh, I also have to ask you about uh, about your ability to learn and teach language. Uh, I know when you were in the military, you were uh, you, you were certified to speak at least four different languages, I think as many as seven. I, I think a lot of Americans have a, a tough time being fluent in more than one or two languages. If folks are interested in learning a language or teaching a language to their child, for instance, what are some tips that you might give them in a way that makes it a little bit more manageable? Well, I mean, let me just back up and say, first and foremost, I, I speak English and bad English, so let's put that on the table, right? But um, what I do have is ability to learn a language quickly, functionally. I wouldn't say it was fluent. I wouldn't say it was pretty, but I've absolutely worked solely in those languages in combat environments and be able to communicate everything that I need. So in that respect, I know that it works. For me, you know, there's there's two approaches to it. And one is, you know, the old-fashioned way where you spend two years studying the basics. A is for Apple, B is for Bumblebee. And my technique is like, okay, how many words do I actually use on a daily basis? About 200. What are those? Some nouns, adjectives, a few verbs, you know, a, a couple of connecting words. So let me write those down and start learning those. So I can do the same with the other languages, and that's really what happens is you, you use like my little cheat book there, the, you know, what's it called, The Quick and Dirty Guide to Learn Foreign Languages Fast. It's been a like bestseller for like 20 years just because it's so easy and simple, and you just fill it out with whatever language you're studying and then go through the thing, all the, the protocols I put out in there for you, and in seven days you can function, and that's where the magic comes. Once you can start talking to another human being, even if it's kind of rudimentary, um, you get the satisfaction of seeing their face light up when you're saying things that they understand mm -hmm. and you're communicating. And that's when people start to dig into the dictionary and watch more shows and listen to more music and really, really learn it. So my technique for everybody is, hey, get your toe in the water first where you, where you can just say things. That's what makes kids interested in learning, not spending a whole year learning all the grammar stuff before they can say the first sentence. You know, um, And that's really the trick to it. Make it fun, make it easy, and then they build if they fall in love with it. By the way, if people want to check out that book, they can, again, go to your website, michaelhawk.com. There's a link through it on there. It's also uh, one of the many books you've written that people can find on Amazon or uh, wherever else. It is interesting. You know, I'm a Star Trek fan, and I've always been intrigued of that idea on Star Trek of the universal translator. They're able to talk to anybody <laughs> from any planet and know what's going on. Uh, it, it, it's, uh, there's some speculation that we could soon see a day where that's a reality. Do you think that's true? Oh, yeah. I, I, I happen to be, you know, working with some pretty special people, and we are actually working on that project right now. And uh, I don't know if we'll be reading minds anytime soon, but I think very soon we're going to have uh, some good tools for the force where they can get on the ground and they can talk to people at a high level and win hearts and minds. And that's really what it's all about. 
All right. Um, a, a pr problem all over the country that we've been focusing a great deal on this program is the problem of veteran suicide. Depending on what statistic that you look at, uh, either 21 or 22 veterans every day are uh, taking their own life. This is a national crisis. And if we talked about this for four, five, six hours every day, it still wouldn't be enough time and attention spent on this as long as this problem continues unabated. Before we get into some of the solutions, why do you think um, this is such a problem now? Why are we seeing so many Americans die at their own hand rather than in military combat? What do you, is there one root cause or is it a variety of causes? Well, I, I do believe it's it's going to be a variety of causes, and a lot of it's going to be based on you know the experiences that they had, what kind of support networks they have when they get home, that sort of thing. But I think at the end of the day, the reason we're losing so many of the soldiers, uh, they come back home and they have this issue, and it's it's a dual edge sword that you know you, you have the social media so you can reach out and and get help but you also can see all the things and all the issues and all the people that disagree with what you did and how you did it and, and badmouth it so i think it's sort of the same problem set that our our folks had when they came back from vietnam so but this one is so different because the kids go in there and you're connected to your your life through the internet and all the other things that they had that you know the, the guys didn't have back in the old days and it's it's different because when I first started doing conflicts, I mean, you, you didn't have connectivity to the world. You were there and you lived in that environment until you were out of that environment. So you had kind of time to transition a little bit. When you existed in it, you were completely there in the moment. And I think the big part of this is that all these people come back and they 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 ask themselves what they were doing there. They they ask themselves it's the constant thing, the survivor's guilt. You know, you have your buddies that die that you always feel we're better than you and yet here you are and you somehow don't feel worthy and so it, it, it's a sad problem with many roots and and i think many ways to help there's not going to be one you know silver bullet that's going to cure everything one thing that i think will go a long way towards helping is the gold shield it's a great way that uh, private sector businesses can pitch in to help uh, folks that might be on the precipice of uh, of doing something irreversible and a great way for ordinary americans to help i know you're uh, the military spokesman for the gold shield can you explain what the gold shield is and uh, how folks can get involved and how they how they can help yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I, I've lost many friends to taking their own life, and 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 especially what blows me away is the ones who've been through six or seven tours of duty in a war zone, survived many firefights. They actually retire and then come home, and in the quiet moments when they can think is when they take their own lives, and and it's heartbreaking to me, and, and it's happened to me a number of times. So when Gold Shield reached out to me, I'm like, amen, count me in. So the way that Gold Shield works is so simple, and, and its simplicity is, is part of its beauty. Basically, any business that cares about veterans signs up with a Gold Shield. They put it on their website. They put it in their window, and they say, we give a darn about vets and the loss of 22 vets a day, and we want to do something about it, and we are doing something about it. So when they put that gold shield in their window or on their website, it means that they are taking some of their, their profits, and they are donating them to warrior foundations, to charities that help fight 
the PTSD and the loss of 22 a day. And what it means for the civilians and the citizens is, hey, if I'm walking down the street and I see a shoe store that has a gold shield and one next to it that doesn't, well, I'm going to go into the gold shield because I know they support veterans. And that's a direct way that everybody can simply go to the businesses that have the gold shield, knowing that those businesses are helping veterans and trying to fight the 22 a day. And when I, you mentioned something that really caught my ear, the 22 a day in, in my world is, is very powerful. It means something to us. And I think about a year or so ago, I heard 21 a day. And all of a sudden I said, man, what if we can reduce that down to none a day? Wouldn't that be something? And so that's really Gold Shield is all about trying to unite people to say, hey, this is really a terrible tragedy. We've got to do something about it. It does take time and dime. There are people willing to help, and that Gold Shield is all about how you can help them and how these businesses can support the veterans. And if people want to learn more about it, as far as I'm concerned, it's a terrific entity. It, unlike a lot of groups that are just begging for money or begging for a government handout, and I'm not knocking that. There's a lot of worthy groups that are worthy of funding. Uh, this is a great way of not requiring taxpayer dollars for individuals to make an important choice to help veterans and a great way for businesses to uh, make a great choice to help veterans. They can go to the simpletruth.us. That's the simpletruth.us. Michael, uh, a real treat talking to you, and uh, I appreciate the time this morning. I hope we can do this again soon. Yes, sir. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much, and thanks for what you do. Thank you. If you want to comment on any portion of our discussion, give me a call, 1-800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Straight ahead.